Gary, can you maybe switch that light switch on there next to you? Thank you. Thank you, Nudia. Um, it was uh, it, it was good to hear all those outward focus, let's go songs. Um, I just uh, had the sense we should go out this morning in the in the shower, so I didn't tell Nudia before and to change his set list, but um, it is good to see how the Lord is working in wonderful ways. The intercession team were also praying for boldness um, among us, and usually when you pray for boldness at a service, you pray for the guy that needs to preach or the worship leader to be bold, so I didn't know why you guys had to be bold, but now we know. I hope you enjoyed it, and I hope you saw God moving. Um, it is somewhat related to what I want to share, but not... Not fully. Um, I've been wrestling with this scripture this holiday, and I shared on it a little bit um, at the end of last year also, but it's just, it hasn't let go of me, and I would love to share more of that with you this morning. Um, so I do believe it holds a wonderful key, and it's in many ways a very deburdening invitation to the Lord to much greater fruitfulness. Um, that we all desire. Um, we, as human beings, one of the things that we cannot not do is we cannot not live in response to something. We, everything we do is in response to something. Whether that's our own needs or desires, um, because we have them, because I'm hungry, I eat. Um, and, and because I want to attain to something in the future, I do something now. Whether it's immediate things like the, your inbox, you respond to your inbox. It gives you something to do. You respond to what's happening at meetings. You respond to the weather. You respond to the, to the stock market and you respond to your mother-in-law. Um, and you, you live your life in res- response. And um, every time when I come when I come face to face with my inbox, I cannot but respond to my inbox. Every time I come face to face with what the weather is saying, I cannot but respond to that by deciding what I'm going to wear. Every time I come face to face with my needs and desires, I respond to them. When I feel really hungry, I do something about it. I either tell the hunger to go away or I eat. Um, So, what are we primarily living in response to, and you can see where this is going, but it's beautiful to see the way that Jesus did this, and it gives us a great key as well, but what are, we, what are you living, and what are you going to decide to live in response to in 2022? <laughs> There's a lot of, of twos in there, I hope you got that, didn't try to make it complica- complicated, um, and to start it out with, I'm going to read a scripture, and it'll be our scripture for the day. It's only this one. It'll be a short message, and then we'll do some um, reflection on our own and some ministry. But um, John 5, do you remember that in John 5, verse 17, um, just before verse 19, I'm sorry, I don't know why I cut off there, but... Sometimes it does that. Um, John, John, 
5 verse 17, Jesus says a very interesting thing. He says, my father is always at his work, and even I am working. All right, God is a working God. This is in response to Jesus doing a miracle on the Sabbath. And then they accuse him of it. And then he says, well, my father has always been at his work, and even I'm working. And was saying that, he says, as the case is with God himself, who works on Sabbath by keeping everything, upholding everything, so I work. I'm, and then the next verse, they accuse him of making himself equal with God, because that's in fact what he's doing in saying that. He is like God, and that he can do something on the Sabbath. Um, and then in verse 19... He continues with this. He says, very truly, I tell you, the son can do nothing by himself. He can do only what he sees the father doing. Because whatever the son does, whatever the father does, the son does also. For the father loves the son and shows him all he does. Jesus lived the perfect life. He showed us the perfect life. The one that we want to live never can fully live or invited to live and are already forgiven for the fact that we can't fully do it as he did it. But the invitation is there to grow in it all the more. And it's our example. It's what we, it's, it's, it's what we look to when we, when, we, when we aspire in life is what was the way that Jesus lived. And can I align my life with the perfect life? Jesus' life was in full response to what the Father was doing. Because Jesus couldn't do sin, he couldn't do anything unless he saw the Father already busy with it. Which would help us to derive that when we are doing something that the Father isn't necessarily busy with, we're missing the mark. So to say, I'm going to do this thing that I want to do, but I'm going to do it for God, wouldn't be that. Are you with me? And it's burdensome because I need to do it. And I'm not sure whether God is really in it or not. And if it goes bad, I say God isn't in it. And if it goes well, then I thank God that he blessed it. But there's a key. Do not ask in God as often. We often ask him, what do you want to do, God? And it's noble and wonderful. I just think there's a better question than to ask him, what do you want to do, God? What are you doing, God? What, what do you want to do, God almost says, while well, you are not doing that thing yet. What can I now do to do what you want to have happen? Are you with me? Which puts a great burden on us to now hear what he wants and then us having to find a way. But he is doing. And then we also ask him, what do you want me to do, God? It's the cry of so many Christian hearts. What do you want me to do, God? And now it's, it's a beautiful question. But many of us struggle to get answers from that question, right? Um, Jesus is saying he often went on his own to pray. And obviously there's some things that happened in that, in that time that, that led the way that he lived. Um, he spent a long time praying just before he came back and chose his 12 disciples. Um, one would arrive that he heard from the Father. And asking God that question, what are you doing, is incredibly helpful. 
and would align to the way that Jesus showed us to live. The fact of the matter is, He is. Did, when you went out now and you prayed for someone, can you tell me, do you think God was busy doing something in the person's life that you prayed for? Almost all of us would testify and say, I do believe He's busy with, with something there, right? Whether you went this morning or not, right? But when you partnered with him in that you saw what he's doing and you partnered with what he's busy with. Okay? I also just had this picture of a, if we are servants of God, a servant helps his master to do whatever he needs done. And when a servant sees his master busy with something, working on something, the good servant would stand closer and say, how, 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 how can I be of assistance, sir? So, <clears throat> I find this deep burdening because God is inviting us come to him, to be with him, to see what he's doing. So it's not on us. He's doing it. And he's inviting you to do it with him, not alone. With him. And what he does, does not fail. And you would be safe as well. Isn't that a wonderful invitation from him? Now, I'm going to do a little exercise with, with us now. Um, on the next slide, you can go there. There's a bunch of words, and maybe it helps some of you. Um, I'll explain it a bit later. But we often struggle with this thing of what am I, what's my calling, you know? What is my calling? What's my calling? And I hope that we can just add some nuance to that question that might help you a lot this morning. Um, can I, I, I need some volunteers now. Um, can I ask... Um, I'm going to ask somebody at the back. Who's there at the back? You on. Can you please go out, out the door again? Just stand there in the uh, parking area. All right. All right. All right, now I'm going to ask the evangelist. Who's the evangelist? You, Yuan. You're going to go to Yuan. Okay. I didn't plan that. But I go to Yuan, Yuan, and tell Yuan, all you need to tell him is, I'm calling him. Would you go tell him that I'm calling him? And then you come back in, and then you see whatever he does. Okay. Thank you, Yuan. What do you think is going to happen when Yuan calls Yuan? He's going to come. He's going to come. Way too. Interesting. Uh, we're not sure, right? He might. Might be a moment of uncertainty as to what to do now. 
Juliet will help you. Hello, Johan. Hey, man. Ready? I'm busy building a time-traveling machine. Right? <laughs> right? I'm the only guy with the IP. I can do this. Would you like to join me? Only for a brief moment. Okay. You have to say yes now. This is part of the game. Yes, yes. All right. So, so yes, it's crucial. So, what I want you to quickly help me with is to fetch our toolbox in the storeroom. And then you can meet me back here again. Johan's going to build a time-traveling machine. How cool is that? You see, what I did not think through in this exercise is the fact that they're going to probably now spend a minute and a half trying to find the toolbox, and I've got nothing to say to you in that minute and a half. Otherwise, Johan wouldn't get it. You, you can be awkward. Ah, that was quick. Ah, you won. Thanks, dude. This is going to be amazing. And um, you can have your seat again. Thank you, Juan. All right. Now, let's work through that. When, now, in this story, who do I represent? I represented God. You got that right. Who did Yuan represent? Someone. Who did you, other Yuan represent? An evangelist. Who did Julie Hitt represent? Huh? Apollos. <laughs> the Holy Spirit. You, you can get a um, chocolate after the service. So, thinking about our calling, in the Bible, when I read up on, what, on the word called or calling, it is almost always used in the sense of God calling, inviting you to Him. Alright? Almost always, and the, the, the place it isn't, you can also argue that it's because He called them to Himself that there was more to it, which there always is. Now, if I call someone to me, if you are called, what did Johan have to do? He had to come. Where? To us. To me. Now, he was unsure about that. Who helps us? The Holy Spirit. How beautiful is this? Just a quick one. That kletos is the word for invited or called. It's the word I use in the Bible for called. And para means to come alongside. So the Holy Spirit is the one that comes alongside us when we are called. All right? So that we aren't alone. We'll have another helper so that we're not alone in this. So the, the Holy Spirit is the parakletos, the one that comes alongside. Um, and Him Himself is also called to come alongside us um, as we are called to God. So when you speak about what you are called to, what are you called to? It's not a good question. Who are you called to? It's a good question. Called to God. 
He's calling you. He's calling you to Him. What's your calling? To come to God. Are you with me? That's your calling. It doesn't, it, it doesn't stop there. Why? Because our Father is always at His work. And even I'm working, says Jesus. And Jesus says, I do nothing but what I see the Father doing. There is a doing then. After the calling too, there is the let's build a time machine moment. I'm building a time machine. Whose project was it? My project. Was that your, is, is your hands calling to build a time machine? You see, we conf- we confuse with these concepts that in a secular world that is so into my purpose, my this, my that, I want. And we confuse in that space so often because so little people feel that they tick the box that is somehow called the calling box. And some that has come to God and found something to do, then they can say, I found a calling because that's the word we use. But if they've truly found something, then it's when they came and encountered him and saw something. That he was busy doing. And he invited them into it. Because of the calling. Alright. So I, do you know your calling now? Do all of you know your calling now? Now have you ever been in a sermon. Where the whole church knows their calling. After five minutes of preaching. I think it's the best sermon in the world. <laughs> I can't drop this mic. It will literally fall to pieces. But that would be a. Mic drop moment. Um, my greatest moment in the pulpit. <clears throat> so what I'm wrestling with through all this is because I've realized the way I've been doing stuff, living in this in this in this calling world, in this what do you want me to do, God world. Um, just because it's almost their theology. And this one seems so much more beautiful and relational and effective. I've been having to rework my mind. It took me the whole holiday and I'm still working at it. Now in every meeting I'm in, it's like I'm, it's, it's like I'm trying to go, whoa, whoa, I can't use the same processes I used before. I can't use the same way of thinking because I'm going to go down rabbit hole again and end up doing things in the way that I always always did them, and even, even good things. Um, but I believe that God wants to help us to live as once called those that come to Him and those that, when they are with Him, ask Him, what are you doing? It's continuous tense. It means God is busy. What are you doing? And then hop in. Hop on. Ask him, what can I, you know, what can I do? Because then you know what you're asking. We're going to build a time machine. What can I do? You can go first the toolbox. Uh, I, I, I don't know. I don't know. Don't worry. The Holy Spirit is there to help you. You won't be alone. I've sent you a helper. And then... You know, isn't that amazing? So there is a sending. It's always a sending. But to, but to call 
a calling, a sending. I mean, isn't that the wrong way around? A calling is where? A calling is to come. When I say I, I'm calling Yuan, it doesn't mean Yuan has to go somewhere. Okay. You get the process. And who will help you? The one who is called to come alongside you as you are called to come to God himself. That's, for me, it's life-changing and it's deburdening. And I want it to be the same for you. What it also does is it removes the sacred secular divide in our hearts. Because is God doing something at work? What is he doing? Now that's one of the most daunting questions. If <laughs> what if you would if 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 you want to ask a pastor this question, ask him what is what is God busy doing in the church? Not what great plans do you have that you feel might be inspired. What do you see God doing? And how are we living in response to that? So it's for me, and it's for you, and it's for every single space that you're in. There's this question. Because when we ask calling questions, the old calling questions, and we somehow someday receive a burden for orphaned and, and vulnerable ch- children, and the Lord confirms it's something we need to do, then we so often run in that so much we can become an idiot to our uh, families, and we're not a nice person when we're with them because our minds are just with Little children, because we think we're so holy, we, we weep over little children. We don't have time to waste on this family that's so messed up. And my wife just says to know that I'm a holy man with a godly purpose, and she needs to serve that, so I don't have that much time for kindness and patience. Um, as if God is not there, you know. So there's a great problem with this calling world, because it leads to me and I having to do something outside of what is really God. And it's almost like the word, the word church, you know, we, we use it and we know we use it wrong, but then we still use it because we don't have an, another way of using it. So when people still call about, speak about calling and called and stuff, I, I just want you to make the switch because it's not that everyone will now stop using that terminology. They'll still use the terminology. You just need to know the process. That that flows. You know your calling. You know God. This is the last thing I'm going to say, and then we're going to do something. Um, God does not have a purpose for your life, but God has a purpose, and you can give your life for that purpose. Okay, it's a bit funny. It's a bit harsh, but also deburdening but it isn't that thing of my thing you know my my little thing it doesn't have a purpose for your life but it has a purpose come and i'll make you fishes of men come to me all you are weary and heavy laden it's the it's the call of it's the call of god is to come and then to see 
and then to partner. Are you with me? So what we're going to do now, while Nudia will be talking, um, or you can also do this exercise, Nudia. Matt, you can tuckle. Would you like to talk? Yes, that's I can tuckle. Um, um, he's just going to make some background music. What we're going to do now, I want you to take out something you can write on, um, even if it's your, your phone. I find I hear God much more clearly when I'm ready to write it down, because then I think God knows the chances of me just forgetting it in two minutes' time is much less. So get something. Then we're going to spend two minutes on each question. There are five questions. So for the next ten minutes, I'll tell you when we're moving to the next one, and you can obviously still stay with the previous one if God is still speaking. But I want you to ask God to show you what He is doing. So ask Him. Father, what are you doing? Father, what are you doing? And the five questions we're going to ask is, God, what are you doing in me? Number one. You'll see them on the slides as well. Number two, we're going to ask Him, what are you doing in my nuclear family, families? All right, so that's on your husband's side and the wife's side. And if you have your own wife and children, you might have a couple of nuclear families around you or only one. What are you doing in my nuclear family or families? Next question is, what are you doing at my workplace? And next question is, what are you doing in our church? Last one is, what are you doing in our city? City, church, work, family, you. Right. So, ask ask him. And Father, I pray in Jesus' name, you put open up our, our eyes to see what you are busy with, even the smallest little thing. But I pray for beautiful things, Father, that would guide our steps, that would deburden our hearts, and that would put excitement in us. And knowing that you are, A, you are busy, and B, I can work with you and see the Holy Spirit can help me when I don't know. I pray for this. I pray that you would release that into us as we ask you this first question. Now, Lord, show us what are you doing in me? Let's contend with the first one.
let's ask him the next question god what are you doing my family Let's move to the next one and ask him God what are you doing at the workplace
let's move to the second last one God would you show us what you are doing in our church Last one, let's ask him, God, what are you doing in our city?
Right. Amen. For now, I hope that was encouraging. I also really wanted to do this exercise, so um, I took the time as well. Um, and it was, there's a couple of beautiful things. Um, what I want you to do next is to share with those around you whatever it is. Maybe there's only one little thing that you think God showed you now. Share with those around you, make groups of two, three, or four, and then for e- and then pray for each one. Um, pray against, against fear, pray for boldness, pray um, that we would en- engage God with joy in this, um, and that he would fill us with his Holy Spirit to do this. All right, so pray prayers of encouragement over each other and share with each other what you believe the Lord is laying in your heart to also so encourage each other. Then we're going to end with some worship.